helped me to compensate, but paradoxically made it harder for me to truly see magic. I'd tried to heal the damage, but the scars weren't physical. Magic simply flowed around the charring like a stream past rocks. I reached deeper into the book. My hand touched Door's back, rather, the composite imagination of Door's back. I wasn't truly touching the outline of her shoulder blades or feeling the faint beating of her heart. I was touching reader's belief, belief in the character and belief in her particular ability. Our driver's getting twitchy, Lena commented. I'm almost done. From here, I could have plucked an object from Dor's hand and created it in my own. Instead of pulling anything physical from the page, I grasped Dor's ability and drew it into my body. Lines of text crept up my skin. In essence, I was making myself an extension of the book. This kind of libriomancy carried two significant risks. For one thing, the magic came from a fictional universe. Any portal I created would want to connect to that non-existent universe. If I screwed up, we'd be lucky to find ourselves lost in the sewers of London. If we were unlucky, the magic would try to send us into Gaiman's fictionalized London. Since that world didn't exist, it would just kill us instead. Then there was the danger of letting a book get into your head. As the story flowed through my blood, I began to hear the characters calling me. When I looked around, it was as though the fictional world had been overlaid with this one. I saw our driver staring at my truncated arm, watching her mouth move, but I heard the murmurs of the London crowd saw tunnels and subway lines passing through the cab, smelled the damp fog. Isaac? Lena touched my neck, helping ground me in the real world. I placed my other hand on the inside of the cab's door and pushed the story through me, into the metal and plastic of the car. The words were like a windstorm trying to escape, trying to create a gateway back to their book. I forced them instead to a place I knew well enough to anchor my thoughts against the fragments of neverwhere swirling around me like a maelstrom. It's like herding cats across a river. I can call Nicola if you need help, said Needy. No, I've got it. Probably. I pushed the last of the text into place and opened the door. When I climbed out, I emerged from the back of a pizza delivery car parked on the side of a very different road. Had Gutenberg been alive, I'm sure he would have cast this spell without a second thought, putting us down on the front steps of the Capitol building. Given another five hundred years of practice, I like to think I'd have done the same. What the hell are you doing? The shout came from a young woman across the road, carrying an empty red delivery bag. Get out of my car! Sorry. I stumbled away from the car, shoved Neverwhere into my jacket pocket, and checked on Smudge. He didn't look happy but he wasn't about to set anything on fire either, which meant the driver probably wasn't going to pull a gun and shoot me just yet. I glanced around. I'd put us down in East Lansing on the campus of Michigan State University. Technically, we weren't in your car, we just... What do you mean, we? She hurried across the road and pushed past me to check the back seat, which was empty. She tossed the delivery bag into the back, aimed her cell phone at my face, and snapped a picture before dialing what I assumed was the police. What did you take, asshole? Nothing, said Lena as she emerged from the car. The poor woman jumped so hard she dropped her phone. Lena caught it before it hit the pavement. 
I flexed my hand. The fingertips were a bit numb, but I saw no sign of charring. I checked the magnetic sign on the top of the car. Giorgio's, eh? I used to eat there all the time when I was an undergrad. I pulled out my wallet and handed her a twenty. I'm sorry we scared you. Consider this part of your tip for the night. She stared at me, then at the car where Needy now appeared to be climbing out of nothingness. That's, that's magic. Pretty cool, isn't it? If I had more time, I'd tell you how it worked. He would, Lena said, even if you asked him to stop. I pointed to the three-story brick building across the street. That's Mason Abbott Hall, which puts us on the northeast corner of campus, about ten miles from Lansing. I turned back to the delivery driver. How'd you like to make a bigger tip? If traffic doesn't pick up soon, I'm going to fly the rest of the way, I muttered. You can do that? Our impromptu driver's name was Callie, a second-year communications major who...